Hello, welcome to Housewives and Me, a podcast about why we love the real housewives. I'm your host, Connor Bean, and welcome back. Welcome to January. It's 2021. I don't know. I can't quite believe it. I don't know if you can. Um, I hope your return to normality is going okay. I know here in Ireland, we're obviously in a very scary place with lockdown and case numbers and all that. So I hope you're keeping safe. I hope you're keeping well. I hope that this podcast maybe brightens your day a little bit because what is better for post-Christmas lockdown blues than chatting about the Real Housewives for hours on end? This week's episode runs a bit longer, but I'm actually really excited for you to hear it. And I think it's worth the extra little 10 minutes or so that we squeeze into the interview. It's with my mate Josh Willisey, who uh, does some great podcast stuff, which we mentioned on the show. And it's just someone who loves Housewives. And we've had the kind of chats Josh and I have had over Instagram and WhatsApp remind me so much of the chats I love to have with guests on this show. So I'm so glad that we got to do it in the podcast format and for you all to hear because we go so deep into Potomac because as we were chatting it wasn't long after the final part of the reunion had aired so it felt like a great time to go really in depth on everything that happened on the Potomac season 5 reunion and I guess on Potomac this season in general we got into Real Housewives of Atlanta and where that is at the moment I think it's in an interesting if slightly different place for the show. We talked about Salt Lake City. We got into the Erica Jane stuff. I should say as well, actually, I saw a clip from Watch What Happens Live from over the weekend where Andy Cohen talked about the Potomac reunion. And he said that he he was really pushing for it to be four episodes long because a lot of people felt, as we discussed in the interview or in our chat today, actually, Josh and I, a lot of people felt that Andy was being harder on Monique than Candace, and Andy has said in this clip from Watch What Happens Live that actually he had been just as tough on Candace and the feelings people have around her, but that that didn't make it to air, and so it looked like he was harder on Monique than he was on Candace, which I thought was very interesting because, you know, that's a very honest thing for a TV host to admit, and he was kind of showing a little peep behind the curtain of uh, what went on and what got edited out of the uh, Potomac reunion. So I just thought that was interesting. It sort of adds a different layer to what we talked about But yeah, we went into it. And I should say as well, we did put an episode out on the 28th of December. I have a feeling that maybe not everybody saw because I know even just I found over Christmas, I ended up getting kind of behind on my podcast. And even this week now, I've been looking at my phone going, oh my God, I downloaded that but didn't listen. So if you've got a spare bit of time or wanted some more Housewives and Me, don't forget we did do an episode with the amazing Jennifer Gannon. That ad dropped on the 28th of December. So go have a listen to that. Oh, sorry, the 29th. Go and have a listen to that if you uh, haven't had a chance to already. But that is enough housekeeping for now. Sit back, enjoy. Here is this week's episode of Housewives and Me with Josh Willisey. My guest today is uh, one of the hosts on the podcast, On The Latch, and recently co-hosted a podcast all about the reality TV series Slag Wars. That podcast was called, you know, this name is much better than my podcast name, The Despunk Debrief, and also on Instagram and Twitter, he is a ray of light who makes me laugh frequently, and we have had many a good juicy chat about Real Housewives, so I know he's going to deliver lots of tea today. Josh Willisey, welcome to Housewives of Me. I can barely say your name. That's how excited I am to have you today. Oh my goodness, tongue-tied already. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, hi, how are you? (laughs) I'm very good. How are you? I mean, we're talking kind of in the the depths of the Christmas season. How is that going for you and how has your year been, I guess? I mean, I've had the meat sweats. Yeah, but I mean, it's been cute. It's been snowing today. I took the dog for a walk. It's all very wholesome. Um, So yeah, I've been, I was really lucky to kind of 
escaped London pre-tier four. And so I was able to kind of just spend some time um, up north with the family, um, which is such a luxury. And I know not everyone's been able to do that. Like, I'm sure 2020 was intense as hell. And I'm sure Housewives provided some kind of escapism like it did for all of us. But before this year, I'm guessing you were watching. So how did you get into all things Real Housewives? My first memory or like when it was first, I think it was on my radar was, I think, Channel 4 when Real Housewives of New Jersey came on. And then I remember watching it very, very casually on ITV2. So we would get Atlanta and New York. So I remember watching some of the earlier seasons, but in no way, like I would watch it if it was on, you know, I didn't kind of watch it as I would describe as I do now, like intensively. Um, And I think that started when, uh, like through my boyfriend, Niall, who is literally, uh, you know, has an encyclopedic knowledge of Housewives and has watched all seasons. Um, and they they watched it. And so I kind of, the way in which my, the way in which I've watched it, I've kind of joined a lot of the seasons, like watching it in the way that I do much later on. So I've seen, I've gone back and I've watched uh, Potomac, Dallas all the way through, um, obviously Beverly Hills. Um, uh, and... But then a lot of them, so I've watched the first few and then I'm watching the most recent ones. So there's bits in the middle that I haven't seen. So I watch them all now, um, but I haven't watched them all from the start, if that makes sense. So you're watching as they air kind of weekly, say on Hey or what have you. And then I know you mean, so you're kind of watching what airs now week to week. And then you're catching up on your housewife's history as you go. Exactly. Exactly. Um... So, which has been a real treat because it's strange kind of, you know, you you kind of see them where they're at now and then there's like, oh, who's this in these earlier seasons, Um, which I've really enjoyed. I think in a way it's been good because it's definitely felt like as a whole (laughs) franchise, it can be overwhelming. So I kind of just started just, I I never set out to to be watching it intensively as I did. I think I just started watching it because Nile was watching it and quickly I became obsessed. That's so interesting that Nile was like your gateway drug. But I think in a way you've hit on something that I always wish more people did because since the summer, so many people have been like, oh, I started watching Netflix and I don't know where to go next. I'm like, just watch whatever's on as it airs and watch it once a week because then when everyone's talking about it, you join in and you like, that's how I got into so many of the shows. I was like, I'll just watch this weekly because they do so many flashbacks that you're just like, yeah, I get it now. You exactly. don't you don't like so-and-so and you used to be friends. Like, it's not Game of Thrones. Like, it's really easy to follow. Like, and it's, I think it's made like that. I think each season in and of itself is a story in and of itself. And yes, of course, there's, there's context, but you can pick that up pretty quickly. Uh, so yeah, I would just say, just get going with it. And plus, like for me, like, like I think almost every person who's been on this podcast has said, like the escapism factor was huge for me. Like, you know, so I'm, um, when I'm obviously not, podcasting um i like <laughs> deliver diversity and inclusion training to organizations and um talking about that kind of discrimination in and the kind of world that we're living in in the moment i think there's so much to kind of get anxious about and this did feel like something that was completely like um <laughs> like you can be so wrapped up in um in drama that can feel all consuming or uh, like storylines that you find fascinating but actually the stakes are so low um even if you are emotionally invested in it and there's something i quite like about that um 
yeah, there's something that, yeah, however important and how excited you get about it, it's always, you know, in, in, in the wider context, it's, it's, uh, it's not life or death or it's not, um, super stressful or it's not like super oppressive. Um, and so I love that about it. Like I'm guessing with your job this year, I mean, I remember when the pandemic hit, there was this talk of like, how will all kinds of office jobs reimagine how they work. And then when there was conversations about pride this summer and then conversations about Black Lives Matter, there was this sense from people who work in your field. You know, there was anecdotal evidence and articles about how that kind of work, there was a run on, we need to do a racial sensitivity workshop in our business. And in a way it's like, great, that's obviously a noble gesture, but like these services are not built to be like that in that high a demand. And as you say, there's an emotional toll on the people who actually have to deliver them. So I can see why you'd be like, I need my housewives more than ever. Never mind the fact that you're in a fucking pandemic on top of, as you say, talking about heavy stuff in your day-to-day job, probably mainly over Zoom, which is another layer of stress. Oh, absolutely. Like, it's been, I mean, firstly, again, I've got to say, like, and I feel like the 2020 has been caveating this, isn't it? It's so funny. Like, the bar is subterranean. Like, in every conversation, <laughs> we have to be like, but I have a job, or but I'm alive, you know? <laughs> yeah, but I woke up today. It's like, wow, that's really where we are. But I, I'm breathing. It's like, okay, I got it. Um, but yeah, so I am, but I'm like, like, it went for a period where everything went quiet because I did a lot of face to face. And then, um, obviously, George Floyd happened and this real global conversation of race started to take place and organizations looking within themselves and thinking about how they can kind of challenge some of this structural inequality, which obviously for the profession is brilliant for just me as a, you know, as, as, as a black man, as a, a person of color. Um, it's, I think it's, it's incredibly important. Um, but it's also exhausting, yeah. And so I think it really did kind of give me a light relief. And also, I think the watching weekly thing yeah, for me was as, as a comfort. I, I, I was trying to think about how do I watch Housewives? And I watch it in a way that my mum used to watch the soaps in a way. Like, yes. you know, you would have, you know, yes. you, you, in our house, obviously I'm from Manchester, so we'd have Corey. Um, so we'd know what days that was coming on. But, you know, we, I obviously watched a bit of Hollywood, Hollyoaks when I was in the closet I loved that storyline um, with <laughs> Craig and Jean-Paul. Um, and so, yeah, so I would wa- I watch it kind of like that. There's something quite nice about knowing you've got something to watch on the Monday or knowing this airs on this day. Um, and in when, you know, there isn't that much else to kind of like pin <laughs> into your diary or something to look forward to. That's been a real consistent. And I've really enjoyed that. I totally agree. I've said that a few times on the podcast and to people about the shows in general. Because I used to be like, oh my God, I'm watching like three or four of these a week. I was like, I like soaps. People watch six to eight hours of soaps a week. It's part of your routine. You have 45 minutes on a Monday to watch one thing. And then two days later, you watch another 45 minutes. Like it's not that deep. And I actually think for some people who've binged it, I think it's a great series to binge in general. But there's something about the weekly it's part of your life and you gossip about this week's thing and then you get excited for the reunion and you watch someone on Watch What Happens Live. It's a whole, it's a, it's, it's, you're right. It's, it kind of pulls you through the week in general, but particularly this year when it's not like, oh, I'll watch it after I've met my friends for dinner. You're like, well, I'll watch it and 
FaceTime my friends after. Like it's, it has fully kind of pulled, I think a lot of us through this year as weirdly deep as that sounds. No, absolutely. I think it has. And, you know, I also love the current thing. Like all things, there's a current, there's a, there's a conversation, right? So I like, you know, love like searching the hashtag after I've watched it and laughed at some of the memes or some of the reactions Mm -hmm. that week. So yeah, I do like that, that, that part of it, like seeing what other people are saying, seeing what the, um, I nearly said seeing the queens. I'm in drag race mode a bit. Seeing what the, what the housewives... <laughs> They're queens too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're also queens. Uh, seeing what the, the housewives are, are tweeting as it's going on. And I think that's definitely something with Potomac. You know, that kind of conversation, black Twitter going off, like the, the women being so interactive on their social media profiles. It's, it's added an extra layer to a, just a fantastic season. Yeah, do you know what? I was going to ask you Potomac, so let's do it as we're talking We've just wrapped season five. We've had the last part of the reunion. I actually saw you tweeting about the reunion today and I wanted to reply and I went, no, you're having this person on your podcast. You don't (laughs) save it for, like, I was like, follow my, I've always said this to people who do podcasts or radio, save it for the show. Don't ever talk about something that you're going to talk about on the mic before you've gone on the mic. You might say, we'll talk about X, but you don't have the actual conversation. So so much to talk about with Potomac so much let's start with I mean let's start with I guess the reunion because that's where particularly Potomac this year they filmed a year ago they wrapped filming a year ago they basically had to wait a full year for the reunion and a full year to have some really serious conversations not just Monique and Candice but you know the Giselle and Karen storyline where Karen and Candice were uh, Robin's update on her finances as she being now quite heavily pregnant compared to when she filmed and she hadn't even conceived yet so there was a lot going on I don't even actually don't even know where to start let's go to the meat of it all Monique and Candice how do you feel what are your thoughts and have you have those thoughts changed at all because of the reunion I mean let me just say this like I think that this has been a series in its prime like you know when you like see like there's a series and it's really in its bag like you know, this is definitely a like it's it's matured. It's having a moment. There's a there's clear storylines. There's divisions. It's got it all. Um, I am a Monique apologist. I'm a Monique. You know, I'm a Monique fan. I've always liked her energy to the show. I think she she brings um got a humor. I think as a self assurance, which I like. I think she's beautiful. I kind of yeah. I, I've always kind of I've always really liked her as a housewife. Um, Candice I've never particularly warmed to um, I think she can be a bit bullish I think that um, very kind of like obviously that really hot tempered can be a bit foul really didn't like the way that she kind of t- talked about Ashley online when she was pregnant so going into it of course I'm you know I'm it was team Monique like the fact is the way in which it played out wasn't appropriate um, it never should have got um, like physical and to the extent yeah. that it did I feel like there was so much going on and it was an eruption of, of, of tension between the two of them which had been building till the season before I, you know I really didn't like the way in which the women ganged up on Monique um, throughout the season I really think it was clear they all wanted her off the show I think that Candice falls into a victim role really easily but doesn't take accountability for her own words and actions I'm not surprised that Ashley you know like actually <laughs> kind of supported Monique because see how quickly Candice turned I think the reunion was there had to be some accountability that Monique was held to I think 
However, I do think that in terms of the legal aspect of it, there was a lot behind the scenes around Ashley apparently wanting money from Monique and, you know, all that kind of stuff that really wasn't probably tapped into. I don't know if they're able to. Um, I found Andy's question in yet a little direct. I think they, I think it was a little disrespectful. I think... um, Towards Monique or in general? Towards Monique, I think. Like, in that last... in, In episode three, I think it was definitely... I think he has short thrift with 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 Monique, and I think it's because she didn't do the kind of groveling apology that perhaps production needed to hear, or um, Candice wanted to hear, um, or Andy expected to hear. I found it interesting how Andy handled Monique because I think an element of it was, I think when a housewife kind of crosses a certain line, they have to be seen to be tough on them in the questioning, so that you know, the show can won't, wouldn't get into trouble down the line where they go, you didn't challenge this person enough. So I could understand him pushing her to a degree. I think some of it was also that, as he had, he said to her, Monique had obviously, as she said, processed things before she got to that reunion. And she was kind of, I don't know if she was ever going to grovel. And I don't know if I even want to see her quote unquote grovel. But mm. I did find it odd that she was very like almost stoic. I'm like, yeah, I did that. There was no... It was like she had gone on her own journey with it, probably because they had a full year before they filmed it. Whereas, and you know, Candace is frustrating because I actually do think she probably is a bit traumatized by the actual violence of it and by the way somebody close mm-hmm. to Monique, whether it was Monique or not, definitely wanted a certain narrative out before we saw things. Because I remember how it was reported and it was reported that they had, it was a sort of, both of them got physical For kind sure. of fight, which having seen it, Candace talked an awful lot of shit and definitely goaded her, but she didn't physically attack her. The problem with Candace is, is that she has, I think, a fairly legitimate grievance in terms of I was attacked, but because she's Candace and because everything is at 100 and because she's a melodramatic person who's dabbing her eyes crying on the show anyway, she added that layer on top. And I'm like, I know you're suffering, but you're also adding crocodile tears on top of real pain. And it's actually selling yourself short because it's clear that you are... I actually thought their reunion... And the time she cried at Union felt more real because you could see her almost in right. real time getting upset. Whereas on those interviews, I was like, girl, how many times are you going to dab your motherfucking eyes in one episode? So I just, I'm so torn. I don't really like Candice in general. I generally prefer Monique, but I also think when you go too far into Team Monique, you ignore that what she did was... Exactly. I don't wrong. know. But if it was love and hip hop, I'd be like, it's fine. They all do it. It's, it's only about the housewives world. It's it's different. It is. And, you know, I don't know. I obviously, like, I really do feel that a year has passed. So, like, okay, it's definitely more traumatising to her. But, like, I think there was an expectation that Monique would going to be in that moment that she was then. But, like, she might be more stoic because... There were other things, you know, the paternity of the child, all of that kind of stuff really kind of, I think definitely kind of is, it, it, like clearly the Samuels family had been through it with with those kind of accusations and something that had, had definitely affected Chris, um, which was actually, I've got to say, I really did not like Chris's contribution, what what he said on live and, and all of that. The transphobia, mm. that's like, what I'm really, I'm, I know Andy Cohn is not... Th- Andy Cohn isn't always on it the way he could be with this stuff, but I, I was surprised that he didn't even just subtly say Caitlyn Jenner instead. You know, it's, it's yeah, easy I, to say, you know, we would say Caitlyn and you reference Caitlyn. Like, I would just, it's a slight turn why of frame. I think he was trying to repeat what was said in order to give clear context, but I'm like, it's okay to shift 
a quick first name so you're not at, like repeating a transphobic remark like a, on national tv or american mm-hmm. tv or whatever that you know it's funny you brought up chris and monique with giselle because i thought the way that came up it was so down to semantics and I don't think Chris and Monique came out of that as well as I think they did. And the way Monique has now apparently quit the show and used that an example does not ring true to me because I'm like, you kind of know in Housewives, very few of them actually walk away themselves. They would have all gotten their their letter about coming back this week or then last week. And I, I, my, this is purely my speculation. I don't know any more than anybody else. I would wager Monique didn't get the offer back and she said, okay, I'm going on the defense here and I'm painting this as me leaving because what she tried, they tried to make Giselle out to be like, there was clearly a chat about that rumor about the paternity of the kid off camera in the sense that I'm sure they all go, what tea have you got on so-and-so? I'm sure they all fucking do it. Uh, But it was, uh, if it was going to be a storyline, Giselle messy boots motor mouth was never going to not run with that for weeks and weeks and weeks. The fact that it came up once, eight days after Chris planted the seed to me suggests that either Chris thought she was going to bring it up and wanted to get ahead of it or he did that to see if she would run with it and it's obvious that she only mentioned it once and then went in a why did he bring that up way and in the confessional as well obviously in the interview oh yeah confessional I mean I like I, I don't know like I really do not like the way that Giselle has talked to about and to Chris in the past like I True. really think that there's something very racialized about calling somebody a black man of that size big boy it's so particularly in america like the, the links to like yeah. that and slavery particularly from you know a, a like a woman of like complexion like her i find it very jarring so i've never particularly cared for that i think that's always been very disrespectful um but yeah i think that chris didn't come off they didn't come off in that last bit as well as as well as the as they wanted to clearly um and i mean yeah i think it was one of those things i really think in the end the women will have pushed back and probably just not wanted to have have, have recorded with monique and maybe put their foot down yeah. maybe unionized in that way <laughs> use the collective power um luxury socialism uh but uh, yeah like i don't know i think I think it's going to be, I'm going to miss her on the show. I think I actually, you know, the ones I actually like are Ashley and and Karen. The others I don't care for. Um, Interesting. Okay. But like they, like they're good TV. Don't get me wrong. But like, do I actually find them likable characters? Yeah. Do you rock with them? Yeah. Not so much, but like, I would love to see Katie back. So Cameron, uh, Cameron McIntyre, um, I'm like about to say friend of the pod. It's not my pod. But... <laughs> <laughs> Work away. It's fine. You're a guest. Guest uh, friend of the guest pod. <laughs> uh, indeed. Like, um, but yeah, our pal, like he said, um, Katie, like, yeah, like it would be good to see Katie back. And I, I wholeheartedly agree. I think that she brought a certain energy to it, a chaotic energy. So I'd like to see that. It was a weird reunion. I feel like by the end of that reunion, they were kind of in the weeds in a way that actually is not as interesting as I think. And I really do think in a funny way, Monique did a bit of an Aviva dresser. She came in so hot with that binder and those amazing moments in the first episode about receipts. And that was, to be honest, very iconic and very housewives. Oh, one of the most but also, union moments, I think I would say. that, that I would. For sure. But then I feel like her and Chris had a, a degree of a point around bringing up the rumors of the personal trainer affair and the possible attempt that they might have questioned the paternity of the kid. But they were going so hard in that and had drawn such a line that, as you say, how would they ever reconcile that if they were to come back? Like, I don't really like Candace, 
But if Candice comes back for season six, you know, okay, well, I want to see what happens with Candice and Karen because there's actually some kind of a friendship or relationship at stake there and exactly. they have something to work on what would Ka- how do Canis and Ashley because they sort of had a come to Jesus moment and then that kind of got slipped away would Candace maybe you know go in there I could see the Canis and Wendy friendship changing hugely because I actually do think if Monique is out of the picture Canis could be the full-time villain next season and they could all shift alliances it was funny actually the point you brought up about Giselle and Chris is a very good one and they did touch on colorism briefly in the first episode and I know there was a conversation as the season aired that Giselle in particular like there it was clear as you said earlier that a lot of them didn't like Monique anyway and this attack violence whatever wasn't just I mean I totally get why they were like whoa that's not cute and if I was in the room I would be shocked but they took it that bit further as clearly a way to take her down and I found it very interesting and in a way it's not my place to speak on this but the conversation around respectability politics and Giselle kind of mm. leading with Monique, you are setting a bad example for all black women and kind of thinking, well, what she did wasn't cute, but we're on a franchise where people throw wine glasses and call each other whores. Like, why are we holding black women within that space to a higher standard? I mean, was that something you picked up on? Oh, or were absolutely. You like, oh. And where was the same energy for um, the two bald guys, Chris and... Um... <laughs> the two bald guys. Um, <laughs> Chris and I Michael. I'm politically challenged. Um, <laughs> um, oh yeah, oh, I mean Candice's husband, who I really don't care for again, and Ashley's oh, husband, no, me either. Michael Darby. Mm. Now that is a villain. That is an iconic. Yes. Villain. Um, yeah. There wasn't the same energy. I was going to say, just kind of moving us, like, like I think, like, like in some way, yeah, like Potomac has, like, this is the thing I find interesting about the seasons. They are all informed by their environment, and that's what I like. Like, I think Potomac, where it's placed, there's a pocket of real extreme black wealth, but in, you know, still quite mm-hmm. a white area, there's definitely a greatest, like, thread of, you know, this etiquette, this, rep- like, respectability politics, which I really don't like. It's definitely been a running th- theme throughout the season. That's definitely been a part of the that I would say that franchise's identity or that you know mm-hmm. um I would say that's always been a bit of it, a, a bit through it like and Karen did a lot of it um in the in those early seasons and I think they definitely lean into it I suppose I'm just thinking as well for people who maybe don't because I actually think respectability politics is something that people have probably seen play out but maybe they don't know the term so I suppose in a way it's when so I've seen it happen in the gay community I mean it's a cliche of you know, some gay men don't like the cliche of, say, gay men saying, drag queens at pride, paint us in a bad light. It's kind of when a minority group or a specific group of people takes another part of that group and blames them for things that are actually because of the things oppressing them, right? It's kind of the, actually, our issue isn't drag queens at pride, it's people who judge drag queens and gay men in general, right? It's that kind exactly. of, for people who are like, what are you talking about? Why is this gone all sociological? But yeah, and also, I mean, it's funny you brought up identity and what's going on in, say, Potomac and where they are. It's also like they haven't added a lot of new people into the mix. And so it does have a very almost incestuous feel in that it's a lot of people who that's why the season works in a way. Yeah. People already know each other quite well. well. But I do think next year we need a couple of friends of. We need one new person. Friends of. And I've got to say, just generally, I am a huge friends of Stan. Like in almost any season, Marlo. like literally, I I'm sorry. Give Marlo a peach. I am so 
Honestly, like, I mean, I have to stand. Like, they are one of my favourite on all of the franchises. I absolutely adore Marlo, their energy, their silliness, their irreverence. I love, yeah, I, I'm a big I'm a big Marlo fan. I mean, Niall had to just, I, I was almost like, give Elise an apple? <laughs> and Niall was like, no, <laughs> this is going too far. Um, but yeah, no, I love a friend of. I am always very intrigued by the friends ofs, and I like when there's more. I like having that kind of, and I think Atlanta's very good for friends of. I think they always have quite strong friends of. I think this new season, there's some new good friends of. I loved Tanya. I'm liking Kenya's new sidekick. Um, yeah, so like, I do really like a, a um, I do like a friends of. I find them very intriguing, and I always want more from them. Yeah, I think that is something I think Potomac could play with then. We should talk about Atlanta in a second, but I do think it's worth mentioning that overall, I think on Potomac this year, I first of all, just cyber, Wendy, low-key underrated, Eddie, low-key, the hottest household's been going, but Karen had a really fucking good season because for years it was Karen and Giselle kind of neck and neck. And now I feel like this year, Karen did actually take the Potomac throne. Now I'm like, oh, she is the HBIC of Potomac. Oh, truly. She's the moment. Like, definitely. She's the fan favorite. Like, she's obviously been tweeted by Rihanna. So she's got the Rihanna seal of approval, which is important. Like, that's like the royal seal of approval, I think. Um, That's the new OBE. That's the less problematic version of the OBE. I mean, she stepped it up like she has stepped it up like from the wig game to like just like her general sense <laughs> of style to like honing her brand like she's really completely lent into everything and you know that's like as a gay man I love that I love the caricatures mm-hmm. like I love the big characters um and she's definitely that the grand arm you know <laughs> um I'm obsessed with madams and like like just what well, the word but just also just like just and she's very of that ilk she is like the grand dame she's a a true madame um, yeah and shout out to wendy because when i know there were some people like oh, I, don't like wendy. I personally did and one of the things i did like about wendy although the degree storyline kind of ran its course oh. i appreciate is that wendy was probably the first person in a while in that show who kind of stepped to Karen in a way that felt legitimate. I think they, a lot of them were like, oh, you can go toe-to-toe with her. And Wendy wasn't even mean to Karen or rude. She just kind of had this thing of, I'm not going to maybe kiss the ring the way you want me to, but, like, that doesn't mean I don't like you. Like, I just thought I would watch... I'm I'm very curious where that goes next season because I actually think Wendy and Karen together as friends could also be very interesting because, in a way, I think they're quite similar. They sort of have a very charismatic way about them, and I think they sort of demand a level of respect when they enter a space and sometimes when two personalities are like that watching them vibe off each other I just that's the kind of shit I go to Housewives for to be honest but yeah no I actually loved the way in which like Karen uh, like really took the piss out of Wendy like doing this slink and she was good sport like, like I think yes. she, she lent into it and I think that like they could actually kind of like have a little bit more of a like a kind of funny sparring thing because I think that it's just become too toxic the Karen and Giselle there's so much bad blood there um past a holy whore um <laughs> <laughs> but I just think that that friendship is just like really intense. And is Jamal coming? Is Jamal coming today? <laughs> no, He's not coming, Karen. And that was the now check that. <laughs> the Karen Giselle thing I do think has gotten toxic, as you said, and even I noticed. Giselle seemed a little bit antsy and nervous at the reunion in general. Once the binder came out and they kind of went for her that way. Okay. For the rest of it, I really felt like Giselle was off. 
and I felt like she wasn't enjoying it. The kind of she was, even when she kind yeah. of smiled and cracked a joke about Andy, I was like, the light's gone behind her eyes. And listen, she's messy boots and sometimes she's mean. But what I like about Giselle is she's still vivacious and beautiful and funny and a character. And I could see that dimming a lot during the reunion. Some of us because I think she was pissed off with the Chris thing, which is we've gone into the naughty complications of that, but that's her vibe. But even little things like she just did not seem into it. And I thought, damn, that, been put that is this Jamal thing. I got a note that we shouldn't be hitting. Yeah, I just was like, damn, maybe. Yeah, like maybe Wendy and Karen. Yeah, she was just a bit like, oh, I'm not into this. And it's just funny when they do that at the reunion. I'm like, no, no, Shay, but this is when you have to turn it up because this is like, this is like training all year for the final relay. Like you can't drop the baton now. And I just was like, damn, Giselle, they got to you. You're not like, you don't seem into this. I mean, what could she like? Like, I really felt I, like I just think she has been boo boo the fool this whole season with regards to the the pastor. I think you know, I the kid like it's embarrassing. The kids obviously hate him, but they don't hate him. They really are not happy for her to be with him. Her dad does hate him. <laughs> you know, you know the hot mic. Oh my goodness, inject it! Like I love a hot mic. <laughs> Like literally, Same. Uh, and that was just such a spicy one. Um, and but that again, and then this final, final insult. Um, you know the text, the receipts. Um, oh is that Jamal's number? It is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> god. Oh my god! Oh my god! <gasps> oh my goodness! I think the light has dimmed. But you know what? I think pride comes before a fall, and I think she's been quite spiteful this season. So I, mm. for me, I'm I, I'm I'm not. Like I, I didn't care too much. <laughs> we will move off of Potomac as much as I could. There she stayed all day. Dragging, so you could literally. Build that. <laughs> I was like, I'm talk. I'm talking so much. I hate talking this much when I'm interviewing someone. No, anyway, I love it. I love it. I love it. We touched on Atlanta briefly. As we're talking, we've had three episodes. I'd say by the time this airs, when we have four or five, mm. we'll have like maybe another couple. I have to say, I'm really, really glad they're not shying away from Black Lives Matter. I'm loving seeing. Portia talk her way through that hugely what I am finding so far it feels so disjointed and from what I'm reading they've skipped a bunch of stuff that was filmed to try and get further along in the story and they were meant to finish at Cynthia's wedding and kept filming up until two weeks ago so I don't know if it's just that they're setting up stuff that's going to pay off in a few weeks but the first few episodes, I'm like, this show feels really weird to me. Where are you with Atlanta right now? Yeah, no, I agree. I think I'm I'm up to date, so I'm I'm with you on that. I think, like, for me, I really do enjoy, like, I'm I'm enjoying it. Like, of course, like, I think there's Nina is a loss, but if you remember this by this point last season, she wasn't in it either. So yeah, that's so true. <laughs> it's not like well, I'm like, oh, I really messed up because she wasn't in it for the for the last season as well. Yeah. So. Like, look, I, you know, I, <laughs> it's really got me feeling a strange way because I actually feel sorry for Kenya, which I never thought would happen um, in a million years, particularly after the cookie lady and all of that kind of stuff. And how God, the cookie lady how she treated Tanya. Oh, I, mm-hmm. I am a Stanya, as I've said. Uh, <laughs> Stanya. <laughs> how she, you know, that whole thing, how that went down. But and yeah, I do. This India Bailey wedding, I don't care. I really don't. Ten, ten, twenty. Like, like, just like, show me the wedding. Like, give me a Pandora wedding or don't. Like, I really like. <laughs> I don't care. Um, I mean, I 
yeah, I like this Drew character. This is where I think it really becomes very disjointed because, like, you, it feels like they've been recording her for a lot, lot, lot longer. So it feels like they're far along, further along in their fictitious relationship story. It just, I'm getting whiplash, you know. Um, and I mean, the real star of the show is Portia. Like, my favorite has been for some time, as well as Marlo, of course. But like, really, like that whole you know, from the Underground Railroad comments through to where she's at now, it really just shows that actually you can educate yourself on your history, you can be a real visible voice, a role model, and, you know, really fight for for that racial equity. And I think, you know, I watched that first episode, I cried, I thought it was very powerful to think about, you know, Breonna Taylor and how, you know, justice still hasn't been done, but, you know, not shying away from that conversation. And that, you know, for many people internationally across the world, they have these black women in their front rooms. Yeah, like for so many people, they have like these black women in their front rooms. And I think Clara Ampho said, and I can't remember who she quoted, but it's like, you can't have the rhythm without the blues. And so, yes, you know, you can't really yes. enjoy the, you know, the hilarity, the celebration, the frivolity, the culture without experiencing or talking about the structural inequality that so many people face, black people and black women face in in Mm -hmm. america atlanta is at the center of you know if you think about how the black vote really kind of rose up in terms of this late last election it's a hugely uh, significant political place and so i think it was like and porsche is really well placed to be to be having those conversations so i'm you know i i enjoy it like anyone who says oh keep politics out of out of housewives is telling on themselves that's like when you tell sports people or performers like don't get involved and it's like well I, I experience it. It doesn't stop me just because I'm famous, just because I'm on the show doesn't doesn't mean I stop experiencing discrimination. And it means, so for that reason, I shouldn't stop talking about it. So yeah, I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought that aspect of it has been really well done. And in a way, it's a shame the rest of it is so disjointed because this arc of them all just even, like obviously it's amazing seeing Porsche's activism, but even it coming up, even the way like, it comes up in conversation with the other women around other things or when they do the establishing shots and you don't just see the cityscape now, you see like, you know, placards or signs that have been put up somewhere and them setting the scene that things have shifted in Atlanta over this summer and that like, you know, there has been this kind of, we're not going to be quiet about this. I, I actually, you know, I mean, I'm always loath to kind of big up corporations and media companies sometimes because it's kind of like they're not going to solve the problem in a way. But there is something quite impressive about how Atlanta's had a little bit of a ratings knock this year, which I think is also just, it debuted with very little press this year and it's Mm. in December. But Atlanta for a long time has been the biggest housewife show and for a long time was probably helping prop up Bravo as a network in a way. And so for them to go, we are not going to shy away from this, even though it will probably piss off some of our middle America white audience, I think is kind of badass. And again, I'm not one of those, oh my God, corporations are going to fucking save us. But I was kind of like, okay, You've leaned in here when you could have done maybe one 10 minute little little package, but actually you're threading it into the season. So that I am grateful for. I just think, as you say, the point about Drew is a very good one. I think Drew has, I know there's other people in the US who like, Drew actually has quite a legit, you know, acting career. I think there's people in America who are familiar with her. So it's kind of interesting. She's in the mix. But as you say, we've gone from here I am with my husband and, you know, our mom living with us and da da da. And then is it her mom or his mom? I can never remember. It's his. It's her mom. Husband's... It's her mom. Her mom. Sorry. And, she, and he's really at odds with her mom. That's what it is. Yes. And then this bizarre scene where it's like, oh, yeah, I went for three days and then they have a full fight and he's like 
secretly filming her i was like this is some of the darkest stuff i've ever seen on housewives exactly. and it's come out of as you say it was a whiplash it came out of nowhere i was like why am i what is going on this is like episode seven stuff oh, and we're getting absolutely. it at the start of the season so yeah we'll see we'll see i'm not going to give up on atlanta by any means and the goods the thing is even disjointed slightly dull atlanta still has enough oh, spice because Just they're such is. interesting women yeah, you know. So no, I was just gonna say, I really do think that in with regards to a, a, a Atlanta, like I think that this is gonna be a fun season. I love Candy. Um, and Same, I fucking. I love know Candy. you do. I, I we her. share that. Yes, and, like you know, yes. I, like I do. I I really love her. Uh, I think they've got some like really interesting characters. Um, and I mean, I'm just here for the culture. Like, I absolutely love it. Like, and uh, give Marlo a peach. I obviously will not be <laughs> happy with it until until Marlo has her peach. Particularly since obviously she's been a carer for those two boys. I am interested in that. But um, yeah, I just think yeah, I think it's not over. I don't think it's a season in decline. Um, in my opinion, despite the rating. Yeah, I think they will hit a bit. It's also like debuting at the tail end of the year in the american tv schedule is awkward because you're going to maybe drop one or two episodes and then it's going to be a break and then another one like i think if they can hit a run from january even up until say march february maybe they get paused sometimes the super bowl interrupts atlanta because it's on a sunday whatever mm-hmm. i think if they could get a run of four or five episodes where the storyline makes a little bit more sense i think they'll make something about it but you also have to remember and i kind of forgot this too like COVID hit Atlanta very badly, very badly. and I think it, it probably messed up their production schedule more than they are actually even like letting on. Because even things like, I know Portia apparently did quarantine when she would come back from protesting or would only see her family and the crew that filmed there. So she wasn't, that's why there hasn't even that many group scenes. Like it's a lot of very three bad. people here and then Portia with her parents I'm, or her sister and her mom. I'm like, oh, wait, no, this is uh, disjointed. So... But you know, we'll see, but yeah, we'll do, see. Do you know what your other franchise doesn't have a lot of group scenes? Sorry, I'm just moving us on to another one, but I really do <laughs> want to talk away. about it. Salt Lake City. Like, what, the Salt Lake City is almost like following these individual women about going about their business. There's so little interaction with each other, in my opinion, like in a group setting. Of course, they've had one or two, but it feels to me like not as much as I would typically like to see. Yeah, and actually, right, that's when, when they had this sort of crazy like midday luncheon that was like the Met Gala oh theme and it was over two episodes I was like is this like the first time you've all sat like this together what are you how are you feeling about Salt Lake City I mean I feel like I've noticed it's grabbed a lot of people who got on the Beverly Hills train this summer because they're watching a new season and they've jumped in and I, it's it's funny it seems to be carving out a place for itself quite well considering and I'm happy for that you know I think it's actually come at the right time for these new fans um <laughs> that was so mariah for these for these new movies. fans for the I know, locals I feel like i'm old school <laughs> joe gun would read me um, <laughs> um yeah like so i mean i think this is what i think going into it the characters who i thought i would like the most which was like mary and jen actually i've probably not warmed to in the way that i thought i would jen is overproducing herself in my opinion like to a like too much like she's trying to be a bit of everything and in doing so she's actually being a bit of nothing like you know she's like she's not being truly like she's overreacting at the drama with the women and I think the real what I would be really interested to see is really you know how this woman who you know is actually going through a difficult time in terms of grief is feeling she's feeling abandoned she's feeling like she's got an absent husband you know and she's feeling lonely and like I would be more interested to hear that and how that plays out than than 
the the, the like the drama that's being over escalated for um yeah I just I just think for story and you know I love the drama <laughs> I'm like Pam from Gavin and Stacey I love the drama Mick um <laughs> I, I, I do um but I just think that it's just being done too much and Mary I just think it obviously like I like with each city they've all got a unique culture and I think this culture is there's definitely a huge faith thread and theme running through it um and I just find that she's the biggest charlatan of them all like I just Ooh. there we are but I just feel like she's like like of all of them you know they've all got a complex relationship with faith like just the church and like I saw some reports about her like like shaming people for not giving her enough money and like when you see the lifestyle that she's living in even her cousin almost like who was almost acting like as her kind of household staff I found weird and yeah very strange she didn't go to the 7-eleven if she saw black people there all of that gave me the ick so I did was not so keen on that Heather is a big favorite Mm-hmm. And Whitney as well. Like she's like I feel like you could drop Heather in like Dallas. You could drop Heather in like OC. Like she's just one of those kind of good time relatable narrator roles. Mm-hmm. That's a point of view character. I feel like Heather is sort of because she's sort of having her moment with her her t- her relationship to Mormonism is in flux. So she is actually good in entry point for viewers who have no concept of what that life is like because mm. she's in some ways you know like I'm tied to it this way but also it's putting me in this position and she's also good at, because she seems to be kind of friends with all of them in some way she is a good narrator for us to kind of go this is why Mary and Lisa are this way and this is how me and Jen connect and here's why I like you know Mary despite so and so not liking her I mean you're right yeah the Mary stuff just I can't take my eyes off it, but I'm also like, what is happening? I'm fascinated by Meredith, Sarah Paulson lookalike with a marble mouth who is just mumbling her way through the dissolution of her marriage. I just think like when she went, I don't disagree. And her husband saying they might have to break up. I was like, this, you couldn't write this. She's like an SNL character. I'm like, how is this real? Oh my goodness, very that actually. Now you say that, that's so funny to me. That's so funny that you talk about Sarah Paulson because actually, like, if you'd asked me about my dinner party, I actually flirted with, like, could I also invite Sarah Paulson? Because she's <laughs> yes. a big fan of the franchise and the shows, isn't she? That I just think she was she's my there. dream guest for this show. Like, oh. I've already been trying to figure out a way. Like, I have already come up with one or two schemes I could possibly like to get an interview. Like, I mean, I'm not a, I want to interview celebrities person, but I fucking want Sarah Paulson to talk about his wife. Oh, absolutely. Putting it out in the universe. I'm 2021. <laughs> Manifestation love. <laughs> that would be so good. Um, but yeah, I think her and Brooks. Um... <laughs> God. I want your fashion show, Brooks. What, what what are you showing in the show, Brooks? What are you showing? <laughs> like that one tracksuit. I have to stand. Come on, minimalist queen. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, but I mean, I'm enjoying it. I no, I do enjoy it, and I, I'm, I'm interested. Do you know what? I think that's going to be a season that really comes into its own in second season because I feel yeah, like ooh, yeah, they'll see how they're coming across. They filmed for a long time, I think, before they started the show. They'll they'll be aware of maybe what's going wrong. They're like, or they might be more aware of the cameras. They'll all have had kind of <laughs> more work, I'm sure. Um, and I think they'll just have a greater self self awareness and. Um, and I think they might introduce some different casts. I think they need a little bit of a... It does feel a little bit fragmented. They've also got people like Lisa, who I just don't think has got any redeem, like, re, like redeemable features, really. Like, 
you know, who's like the queen of Sundance, but beyond that just doesn't really bring much. So I think they need a bit of a swap around, but I'm not giving up. I find Lisa quite like unintentionally funny, like when they had the big dinner and Jen kept talking about, and you know, it's hard in, in Salt Lake if you're not white and you really have to work so hard to prove yourself and you have to work twice as hard to get half as far. And, and Lisa's like, I feel that. <laughs> like, I, I empathize. I was like, shut the fuck up. And when she was like, my worst quality is that I'm just so ambitious. <laughs> or when she's like, well, my kids call it Sundance. I can't do her voice. I'm a, I can't do her voice at all. And I'm fascinated by her voice. But when she was like, my kids call if it's Sundance, I don't pick up the phone. I was like, <laughs> like, if I was a parent, now listen, if I was a parent, I would absolutely have a babysitter. I would be like, get my bag. I'm all for pe- women working. Every parent should be able to work. But I'd be like, oh yeah, I'd be like, I'd have if the if the babysitter rang, I might just text like, hey, is everything okay? I wouldn't be like, I'm at Sundance, it'll have to wait. Like, what if the babysitter had a real issue? Like, I just I just find Lisa kind of hilarious. She's such a like hashtag girl boss CEO. Like she's, she's got so a bit of just, and energy to her. Yeah, <laughs> she's just like, I'm gonna make money. I want a billion dollar brand. I'm like, okay, you're you're absolutely. Well, I think you've made such a good point about Jen as well. In the quieter moments at Jen, I actually really like her. When she is with Heather, talking about how lonely she feels, or when she's kind of at her having throwing a party and she's not the focus of the party and she's like, go talk to that guy, Heather. I'm like, I think there's actually a decent energy to Jen. It's just she's playing up her supposed temper and her wacky job and her entourage. She's trying to paint a picture and that's for us to kind of draw. Like she's almost trying to step into this iconic role and uh, step into this yeah, iconic role. And it's like, that's something that kind of comes from, from the audience, not, not you straight out of the gate. <laughs> I want to touch on this briefly. It's not in a currently airing housewife show. It has just been in the headlines. I haven't really gone into to it with a guest yet. I've talked about myself in the intros for some of the shows. What are your thoughts? I'm the Erica Jane, Tom Jordan. <laughs> this is all speculation. Allegedly, we don't allegedly, know anything that hasn't allegedly. been reported. Bravo, bravo, bravo. Um. bravo. <laughs> allegedly, as Wendy Williams, they're saying allegedly, as Wendy Williams would say, that's where we're going at from this. I mean, like, <laughs> like, 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 I mean, put it this way: she's got a storyline. <laughs> oh, she has got a storyline um like mm. you know mm-hmm. what like this is what i think i think that it's it's a mess i think it's absolutely like if if what is being said allegedly is true i think it's terrible i think you know i've heard things about tom tom girardi allegedly having you know another woman for for or like taking another woman out for many years like around Hollywood like I think that that rumor mill's been a spin your home your hometown of Hollywood Manchester are you here thing <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness if you were gonna ask me about my celeb spot I actually do I did uh, have a little bump into to someone on the housewives um housewives cast in West Hollywood <laughs> no less okay wait well so we'll pause Erica and the lawsuit for a moment so I actually was gonna ask if you had a housewives run in so you said you saw someone in West Hollywood who did you see um so I saw so me and Niall were we were um we were in a yeah in, in Hollywood and so we wanted to go to Sir. It was closed, but as we were walking so we looked across the road and Ken was there having oh. so <laughs> starstruck. Like we obviously didn't expect anyone to see anyone there and then when we saw him we were like, I can't say anything. 
I'm going to collapse. <laughs> um, like it was, a, I mean, I'm, I'm probably being a bit too dramatic, but now I was too shy to say something. I was like, come on, let's just go. And so I was, I was like, hi, I just wanted to come over and say hi. We're big fans of the show. Like, well, you're not from around here, are you? Um, <laughs> I was like, no, 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 I'm not, you know, fully. You know how uh, every English person when they go to America turns into like Hugh Grant. Um, <laughs> oh, frightfully not from here, actually. Okay, that's a good spot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not from around here. No, yeah. I'm not. Um, and so, yeah, so th- that was really. And do you know who he was with? He was with, I think, Martin. So, do you remember Martin who went on a date with Kim in those early seasons? Who they, oh, yeah. Who they, he was just having a coffee with Martin. So, yeah, that was that was my only. My only housewife. Did you it. go, oh my God, Martin. <laughs> <laughs> no. Hey, Martin. <laughs> friend, isn't it? I recognize the friend. Yeah, but we got a picture. Um, <laughs> like Iconic. Oh my God. And was he nice? Because Ken doesn't always come across as nice. He was actually lovely. He was very friendly. Oh. And yeah, he made the time. It was just after, I think, Lisa's, um, was it Lisa's mum passed as well as her brother. Um, and so I kind of just said, oh, I hope, you know, I hope Lisa's okay, kind of thing. But it was just, she, she oh, was that's nice. Um, so that's my one, um, yeah, that's like my, my only run in. I mean, with regards to Erica Jane, I just think it's, 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 it's a kind of an Imelda Marcos kind of thing, isn't it? Like, um, like mm, all this money, yeah. like for like really vulnerable people allegedly being spent on like, like maintaining a lifestyle, you know, whether she was complicit or not, I really don't know. Like, you know, I think whether she, I think she may like allegedly be like if obviously like, I don't think the divorce is a sham. Whether she's a rat off a sinking ship, I don't know. Um, because when what when a stunning, what a stunning analogy. <laughs> because when she was like when like the first thing I thought when she got divorced, my first thought was, why, babe, wait it out, sweetie. Like yeah, give it a few years, literally. <laughs> <laughs> like what's in it for? And now there's this kind of thing with the money. I'm like, she's trying to protect her assets and. Then, you know, maybe she didn't know that he was taking all the money from or allegedly taking any money from any victims of, um, you know, from the cases that he's been doing. But um, whether she knows that or, or not, like, was it has something fishy gone on with the with the divorce? I really don't know. I mean, every, she posted a picture like in a Santa Santa outfit and everyone was like you're going to be in orange next year <laughs> <laughs> I know I actually I still follow her on Instagram and I've been a bit like should I but I have to say there is something grimly fascinating Absolutely. but no matter what she puts up now there's like celebs being like go off yes and then like fans are like you look so pretty and then just people being like you're going to jail <laughs> it's like exactly. it's so dark Lock I'm like table. I can't look away <laughs> no <laughs> Um, yeah i can't get my head around it because it's funny i i talked about it in the intro of um a recent episode when it kind of broke but i had was playing out interviews that had happened before that and we're like kicking in interviews like oh my god erica's a legend and i'm like oh <laughs> i don't know how i feel now because i do think either she was in on this with tom which is despicable because yeah. it does oh. seem like there was a really if you haven't read already anyone this thing there's an la times article from kind of uh i think a week or two before christmas that goes into the Girardi, Tom Girardi lawsuit thing in re- like really intense detail. And it does seem like he has had huge financial problems for years, regardless of whether he did this kind of, you know, taking money from playing crash victims thing or not, which is being alleged, who can say. Either Erica was in on that with them. My gut is telling me that she probably knew something was up, didn't say anything, kept taking the money, and also maybe was putting up with 
some infidelity and thinking, oh, I'll just ride this out. And then thought, wait, this guy doesn't have any money. He is cheating on me left and right. What am I doing? Yeah. I or do. it's all a front for them to funnel the funds somewhere. I mean, these are what people are saying. I'm trying not to kind of, you know, get myself into legal trouble. Mm, <laughs> but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's that thing, isn't it? So Some of it won't probably be a, a like won't, they won't be able to cover some of it on the show because it's so sensitive. But I do think her divorce and the sort of scrutiny she's under. Oh, it's going to get juicy. Will, will, will have to come into play. And so. then it's like, so what's going on? I can just hear Kyle being like, Erica, we all saw the LA Times article. And they'll be like, and they'll flash all the headlines on the screen. Oh, I love that. It's just so crazy. We had no idea that Erica was in such turmoil. Like, you can just, I can see the trailer. I mean, you thought it was iconic when Rinna said on the phone, we'll never see Denise Richards again. I mean, what are they going to have this year? Like, come on. I mean, the thing is, they love a victim. And they love, like, in, in Beverly Hills, this is the one thing I find sometimes a bit unsettling about it. They like to have the one. And that one is, like, you know, the one that is going to get the get it in the neck that season. So whether it's Denise or Lisa or it's always, it's people take their turns. But, you know, like, and I think they will, like, swarm around this bit of drama. I think, you know, Erica might be the, the sacrificial lamb of the season. But who knows? They're, they're spicing it up. I love Garcelle. I'm a big fan of Sort, and I'm interested to see, you know, um, this new character, which is great. Um, so yeah, I think like I think off and Teddy's gone. <gasps> Praise be. Um, I know. So, uh, finally, a good news story in 2020. <laughs> absolutely. Um, but yeah, we'll. We, we, we'll uh, we, <laughs> I have a feeling that won't be the last we see um, of. Den- well, I mean, I think it is the last we see of Denise Richards, but I think it won't be the last we see of that behavior. Um, because that's like you know, if you have people who are in it so long, like uh, maybe Cal won't be as strong without Teddy's backup, but I think they can be a bit gang-handed. Um, in the words of Kim. All right, Kim, Kim Woodburn, <laughs> come on, Kim, you're gang-handed, Carl Richards. You're gang-handed. I think you're a little bitch, actually. <laughs> That'll be Kim to Erica. <laughs> Chicken livered shit. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we have covered a lot of ground already, but I do want to get into some questions I ask everybody that I think you're going to deliver on. So we're throwing a dinner party in a world where dinner parties are totally safe and fine. Oh my goodness, you sound <laughs> you like a have... when they're like, they have recorded these beforehand. Like, <laughs> in this hypothetical <laughs> situation, everything is COVID secure. Yeah. <laughs> Just call me Tess Daly. Um, you can have five Real Housewives or friends of, or their husbands, or whoever. I mean, we've had a I... recent episode with the amazing Jane Gannon, who just picked completely amazing side characters. But five Real Housewives-related people are coming to yours for dinner. Who are they and why? Okay, so I've put six, so you're going to hate me, but, like... Six is fine. Six is fine. Okay, so, like, for me, obviously, I've already mentioned them, but I would have to have Marlo there. I know they're a friend of, but I absolutely adore them. I think they would be so, like, they're just so fun. And I think that they would definitely make other the other women feel welcome. They're kind of, like, up for having a good time. They don't take themselves too seriously. So I think they'd be an ideal dinner guest. Um, I love Luan. I am, like, I love Luan. And she's probably one of the ones who consistently I've always loved. And I really think that she's been on a journey. Um, so yeah, like I would like to see her, like, I know, like she probably won't be as wild, but I think just the way in which she's 
lent into her charity work. I love the, like, you know, from how she perhaps used to be. I think she she kind of, you know, archetypal, snobby, Upper East Side woman, which I think so many of the New York women are, which does sometimes frustrate me. But I think that she's definitely in a place where you could throw her in a room with a group of women and she'd just kind of have a good time and she'd kind of be carefree and silly. And, you know, she's almost like she's leaning into that parody of herself more and more. So I think that she would be great to have. I could see Luan hitting it off at Marlon and like, oh, you know, I'm a singer. <laughs> and Marlon be like, sing something for me. And Marlon be like, and Lee will be like, okay. Oh, well, she's singing, apparently. <laughs> Allegedly. Sing it. Is it anybody's birthday tonight? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, yeah, so she would be, I think she would be fantastic. I'd love Gina from the Real Housewives of Melbourne, which I think is slapped yes. on. I think it's a really, yes. really entertaining, great season. If you want something that's full, like, I think it's light, it's funny. I think that first season, she kind of, like, she really was getting it from the other women. They kind of ganged up on her, and she came through stronger. I think she's just, like, she's a drag character. You know, big hair. Absolutely. Like, you know, costume jewellery, giving me kind of, like, real Panto Dame, but Hollywood glamour. It's, like, like, I love it, and that kind of Australian kind of energy to it. I, so I, I think yeah, she's really so, cool. um yeah, the Australian thing is, ex- like, the Australian energy is such a good way of putting because the way she's just like, oh, I think you're a fucking dickhead. It's like, oh, my God, like, she's so much more coarse than some of the American women would be, but, like, because she's so glamorous and draggy, you're just like, say what you need to say. Like, I mean, oh, Gina and Luan in the same room, I'd pay money to see that. Right? Um, I love... Uh, Portia, and so I've already talked about yes. that. I think Portia is like my good time girl. Like I think I could take Portia to like a dinner party. I think like we like if Manchester Pride, you could take Portia on a Friday night. She would still be going on that bank holiday Monday. She would be like yes. here in the boat, taking shots, like living. <laughs> um, so yeah, I would definitely invite her. I think she'd be hilarious and just real good fun. The next one, I think you're gonna like. I think we've had some discussion on because I think you have a different opinion to it than me. Um, but I would be inviting Jennifer from New Jersey <laughs> because I really love Jennifer. Like I just of, oh. all, of all the, the the New Jersey ones, I just love her chaotic energy. <laughs> I absolutely can't get enough of it. Like just from like t- the, the, the talking so openly about therapy. To I mean, not therapy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a plastic surgery to um which is therapy to some people i'm sure um to yeah, um, true. like that amazing storyline she had with her daughter with her you know with her brother being gay and actually really yeah. being an active ally as a sister like i'm sorry but it was lovely to see active allyship from siblings you know I, i'm a trustee for an lgbt uh, homelessness charity and like I think that you know so much we always have a surge of calls around this time around winter around family rejection and just seeing visible allyship from siblings in the homes of lots of people will have made a difference particularly some of these kind of where actually they're not American these the the, the family and the culture they come from I thought that was a really powerful thing and I just love the fact that that's she's true on the tequila I liked the way she <laughs> argues with women she just goes one to a hundred um, and she's just a real kind of, uh, yeah, she's a chaotic energy. And uh, so I, I, I do, I love her. Uh, oh, wow. Well, I, I know you're, she's not your favorite. <laughs> no, I don't, like, I don't even hate her per se. Actually, I think it's good you brought up Jersey because I feel like Jersey's probably back in like February. So I feel like once it's back on, I'll be thinking of all of them more. But yeah, I do think in the party context, she would be a live wire. And you're right, when she had the softer side in the most recent season, which 
I think it was Joe Gunn actually who shared a meme from the reunion of Jersey and I was like how the hell did we have Jersey in this first half of this year like it that just feels like 100 years ago but you're right I thought the stuff with her gay brother was very moving and I thought she handled it very well so yeah I think you, you could have I could see you and Jen having a DMC absolutely pissed absolutely. like three hours into the dinner and you're like babe what you did what you did with your brother was such like I know and she'd be like <laughs> yeah, loving it. fully I can fully see that. And who's your last one? Who's number six? So it's a, it like it's Battle of the Blondes here. Um, so like for me, it would be a, either a toss up between Leah, who I think is the ingenue, okay. come in like guns blazing to shake up kind of I think a bit of a kind of a fusty New York. So you would have you would have Leah or, or who are you thinking of Stephanie from Dallas? Um, oh. Because I've always loved Stephanie from from Dallas. I think she's like, and if you don't, haven't watched Dallas, I, I I'm an advocate for Dallas. Like, I find it so interesting this whole kind of like charity philanthropy, like the amount of ridiculous charity things. That's probably like one of the things, like a trope that I know has come up in other episodes. Like that's definitely uh, like the trope of like charity, and they did it in my charity event. Um, <laughs> I love that, and you did that at my charity event i'm like there'll be six more of those in a week i really think you'll be fine <laughs> yeah like don't don't sweat it sis you'll be fine literally um so yeah like it would be like so i but i i've loved yeah i love stephanie um i think she's like she's obviously been quite a silly character but she's really come into her own over the four seasons you know she's talked about depression she's talked about suicide but she's also like a good time like fun like very loving like but like yeah like also could have a good time so i i do really like stephanie so it would be a toss-up between those two i feel like yeah you're right she would come alive in a dinner party setting oh fuck it we'll have leah and stephanie we'll eight seven women eight and you at eight chairs it's fine i think we can swing that why not right once we can have dinner parties again we're all gonna be having 35 people at home minimum we're just gonna go on fucking wild Okay, so that's the dinner party. That's a very lit guest list. I do want to ask you, though, um, if you were on Housewives, what would your tagline be? Okay, so I've got options. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and it's got to be, like, line with my brand. Like, uh, my brand is like, please get a, get, get a grip. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> go off, sis. Um, but like, I, okay, so I love having baths. Um, if, if you know, okay. if you on Instagram. I'm... If you've been on his Instagram, you'll know Josh likes to have baths, has done Q&As and content from the bath, I giving body in the bath, there's a bath bomb in the bath, lush promo, all that kind of thing. Truly, yeah, like I am, I, I love the bath. Um, I'm all about the bath. Um, so my, my one like reference in that would say, would be, I live my life in the bath lane. Don't burst my bubble. <laughs> 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 so that's one of them. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> my life in the bath lane. I hate you. Oh my god. Oh my god. I'm oh. a bald queen. Like, um, yeah, like I'm bald and beautiful. And, and so <laughs> the other one would be balds have more fun. Don't believe them? <laughs> Just watch. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Balls have more fun. Oh, wow. If I was ever having a sassy season, like where I was the agitator, it would probably be. I start the party. Just don't start with me. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's very good. Oh, they're excellent. 
I'm just giving range. She's a verse queen. Like, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm just, yeah. It's something for every, for, for everyone, something for every part of me. I feel like if you're on Housewives and the whole, your thing is it being the bath, they would have so many like corny, like setup scenes of you doing an Instagram story in the bath and they're like filming you doing it. It would be so funny. <laughs> or like a whole <laughs> scene of you going, going to like a high-end bath shop and buying like really expensive bath bombs and you're like they go total cost five thousand dollars and you have like four bath bombs and you walk out <laughs> pure gold close to pink <laughs> gold flakes like stuck in your eyes after the bath <laughs> that is literally lush sometimes you look at the bath and it's like who killed a unicorn in here what is going on <laughs> Oh my god! Oh my god! Just, I can just see like the oh, welcome to bat shop. How can I help you? I'll take four of those bat bombs, please. And they're always like in these really ridiculous boutiques, and it's like thank you so much. That'll be like one hundred thousand dollars. Thank you. Like it's always some retail assistant shoved down on camera has to smile and ask how their day was, and then they have a ten minute conversation about their kids or something. And I would take a friend and for some reason there would be like a sofa in that bath place and we'd just sit down and talk about the random thing as if like you would do that in like a shop that sells bath bombs. <laughs> yeah, you you wouldn't go into like like Zara home, sit down in the corner and be like, so how are things that you're divorced? But on Housewives, they absolutely do that. Oh my God. That's that's actually a trope we haven't discussed on the show, but you're, it's such a good one to bring up. Like weird things that happen in like boutiques and small shops. That My other trope, while we're on this trope, like, because I just, I just, I've got to say, and I don't know if anyone said it before, but like, one of my favorite tropes is the life, is the life coach or like the, like the therapist, like, like just the, and, yes. and like when you Google them, they've got like a doctorate in catering and it's like, it's <laughs> 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 just this person, like, mm-hmm, yep, you are completely right. Exactly what you're doing is correct. I just find that so fascinating, those weird people. Yeah, because, like life coaching like I'm sure it works for some people like I've never I've never done anything in that family but it does feel like there's less of a kind of it's not as much like a code of ethics you have to be Dr. Soames or to be a life coach sometimes when they have therapy scenes and it appears to be someone who is either a real therapist or their long-term therapist I'm just like what are the ethics around actually filming this because surely it even if it's for the show and it's an agreed setup in terms of you're going to film this session I just don't know how that doesn't breach the code of ethics of therapy. Like, if they had to go to hospital, they wouldn't be like, oh, we need to film this with a doctor who's on camera. Do you know what I Like, I it just, that always it. makes me go, oh, wait a minute, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. I Do you know what I've been doing? I've started therapy this year, and, like, the not, it, not a hope in hell would I, like, allow the cameras in to see me like have revelations and ugly cry. So yeah, I, lo- I love that. And the other thing is like um, room politics, like, you know, when they go on a trip, <laughs> I just think that's just the most silliest, like primary school or like, this is the most childish thing to have drama about, but every time I love it, particularly if what there's a suite, one's nicer than the other, all that kind of stuff. Oh, it's so funny. Cause it, you're right. It is like a school trip on their grown women and it's so childish, but it's also like, you kind of know deep down 
whoever says they're quote unquote organizing the trip isn't. And so I always feel like the room thing is probably the first time they're dom- they're asserting their dominance in terms of what, how the trip is going to go because we know production picks where they're going to go to and organizes accommodation. And I always feel like the rooms is the only place where they actually have sway to go, well, I'm obviously sleeping here. So I just think that's why they get so competitive because it's not like one of them booked the hotel and could pull rank. None of them have. Exactly. So they're like, okay, well, actually, I want the master room, even though, or whatever. It's just like, yeah, the hotel room, particularly in New York, they have turned that into an art form. We have covered a lot of ground, and I'm curious, you know, it's January when this is dropping. We have Atlanta. We've had to say goodbye to Potomac. I'm, I'm pretty emotional about that. We have Dallas soon. We'll have Jersey, hopefully, soon. We have OC kind of limping to the finish line, like, oh, just so dull. What is next for you and Housewives? Are you going to go back and watch an old season or a show you're not fully up to speed on? Will you just keep up weekly? Like, do you have any Housewives plans? For me, I'm just, I think I'm I'm enjoying the weekly. I think I'm open to suggestions. I think for me, like, I always like doing ones that feel manageable. Like, because I feel like, uh, like, I probably wouldn't start Atlanta again from the start because I watched it kind of, like, sporadically just because there's just so much of it. Like I think I would like to like I like I I still haven't seen that infamous season five argument of Beverly Hills um, and the context around that you know even though I've seen in Amsterdam don't talk about yeah Amsterdam don't talk about the oh my god yeah that's an that trip is great that trip is really good you could just watch those episodes yeah I might do so that like that I but like you know I like keeping up so I like I like watching it as as it comes. but but we'll see. Maybe I will go back and, and do the contact. You know, I don't watch OC. That's the one I don't watch. And uh, you okay. know, Joe did say to me, uh, Joe Gunn said, "It's such a shame that you kind of you know that because that when it was good, it was good." And now said the same. I think when it was at its heyday, it was fantastic. Um, but I just don't have the time. Before we finish, where can people find you online if they do want to see you? And I don't mean this in a creepy way. In the bath, where can they do that? <laughs> so you can follow me um, on my Instagram, which is Josh Willacy. That's J-O-S-H-W-I-L-L-A-C-Y. Um, or you can follow me on Twitter, which is Joshy Willacy. So that's J-O-S-H-Y. W-I-L-L-A-C-Y. And what about the podcasts? Because you've been, you're a podcasting gal as well sometimes. Absolutely. What, where can people find those? I mean, yeah, so like, oh, I did a podcast on the latch. So it, that was, um, you know, six gay men talking about, I suppose, love, life, everything in between. So that was, um, so we, I think we did about four seasons of that. You, you've guested on that in, in the past. That's taking a break. Uh, get well soon, Jerry. Um, <laughs> not get well soon, Jerry. Get well soon, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's on a like that's probably on a long term hiatus. Um, but yeah, like I mean, who I'm, you know, I love the fact that you've done this podcast. I really, you know, I I love. I'm, I'm all for podcasting, so um, I would like to do one in the new year. But let's let's just see how we go. Well, you just did a mini series uh, based on the show Slag Wars. Exactly. So. Yeah, I just did Slag Wars, um, a recap podcast with the the iconic Joe Gunn. That was really fun. That was four episodes of hilarity. Um, so yeah, please uh, check out the Despunk Debrief as well. Um, I think that was such a great show about talking about sex positivity um, in in a way that was kind of that was. Yeah, it was it was queer inclusive it was light it was fun um and yeah i think really important to kind of have that conversation um because they are still very much a marginalized group um so yeah anything that uh, kind of 
um, brings some light and actually like really personalizes and humanizes um, sex work. I'm, I'm, I'm so for. So yeah. Um, That's a good point. Yeah. And I suppose that so uh, people can find you on social media. They can keep an eye out from short future podcasting ventures. And you do tweet about housewives and stuff a good bit. Like as I said earlier on today, I nearly weighed in with you on twitter being like this is how i feel about potomac i was like you can save it for the podcast but people can get more of that from you there oh absolutely josh willisey this has been a scream it has been one of the longest chats i've ever had for the show <laughs> and i've enjoyed every second thank you so much for coming on a housewives and me thanks for having me thanks again to josh willisey for joining me this week on housewives and me as you can tell we had a lot of fun we did that thing where we stopped recording and just chatted for like an hour after we were just gossiping It was uh, exactly what I needed after Christmas and to get myself ready for 2021. Thank you so much for listening and for all your support of the show. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, please consider leaving a rating or review. It is so helpful for independent podcasts, for us getting the word out there about our shows and our work, and for more people to find us, especially when you're doing a show kind of about a niche topic in Ireland as well. Uh, And anyone who's rated or reviewed so far, thank you so much. You can follow the show on at Housewives and me on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me on It's Connor Bean as well on Twitter and Instagram if you want to say hello. Thank you so much for listening to the show this week. We will be back next Tuesday with an all new episode. Until then, stay safe and I'll talk to you soon.